Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 29th, 2016. My name is Philip Rosmerich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And I don't know how else to say this or I don't know how else to spin this positively, but I will try and be positive today because my Northwestern Wildcats are your 2016 Pinstripe Bowl champions. Very proud of my Wildcats. Uh, and uh, I had to watch the end of that game, of course, while I was getting ready to cover the Orlando Magic's game against the Charlotte Hornets, which, of course, we will be talking a lot about. A disappointing 120-101 to loss to the Hornets. It's a 19-point deficit, and I can tell you the game was not that close. It was just a very frustrating evening for the Magic after they played so well. I wrote a glowing piece about how their offense was beginning to come together. I wrote a you know, relatively glowing piece about how the Magic are working to get defensive consistency after the last two games, and then the bottom drops out. We'll talk all about that game in just a moment. Also talk a little bit about this this peculiar habit to get blown out and get blown out rather convincingly that gets people a little panicky, and so I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to be positive today. I'm uh, my, my Wildcats won. I'm going to be positive, and... Uh, give you a silver lining or at least give you a, a ray of, of optimism perhaps and uh, or you know be overly you know naive and and, and get dismissed as being uh, too optimistic on that end but like I said I'm gonna be an optimist today uh, and then I'm also going to talk about the aftermath what happens next and how do the magic recover from these kinds of losses because unfortunately this is not the first time but let's dive into the game first the Orlando Magic took on the Charlotte Hornets and a uh, uh, really Fast-paced off first half. The first half was played really at a crazy pace. I mean, Orlando and Charlotte were just trading blows. It seemed like Charlotte took the lead by like six or seven points. Orlando would come back, tie it up, make it close. Then they'd give up a little bit of run, go down like seven or eight. Then they'd come back, and it's very much a, a seesaw battle. Orlando was getting a lot offensively there, making shots and doing a lot of the things that uh, that they want to do, uh, frankly, uh, offensively. They were moving the ball well. They were making shots. They they, you know, again, offensively things were going fine. Neither team was playing particularly well on the defensive end, and and uh, it, it was, you know, the joke that I made at halftime is the first team that plays defense is going to win. Uh, Charlotte was getting all the shots that they wanted. Uh, they were getting to the basket. They did a really good job drawing Ibaka or Biamba away from their man, so they could dump it down to Cody Zeller. They were able to get the ball out to Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who made some shots. Uh, Kemba Walker did his thing. Orlando did a really poor job corralling him and directing him to the areas they want him to go. Remember, Magic tried to direct direct ball handlers specifically on pick and rolls to that short corner uh, mid baseline around the around the edges. That way, the center can kind of have his arms up, you know, deflecting the basket, but still close enough to get to his to get to his man. And the weak side defender can come down. There's just not a good angle to pass. Magic weren't doing that. They weren't getting that direction they wanted to go. The, the rotations were not sharp. The pick and roll coverage was definitely not sharp. And, 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 you know, no one was playing strong defense, but the offense was working. Then the third 
quarter happened. Uh, the third quarter was just an absolute disaster. Gave up 35 to 13. At one point, it was 30 to 6. I counted a 24 to 6 run at one point in that quarter, and that just broke the game wide open. What was a seven point lead at halftime turned into a 31 point deficit. And for the third time in three weeks, the Orlando Magic fell behind by 30 points at home, and this game was over. Like I said, a 19-point deficit does not tell you how close this game was. The Magic were getting good shots. There were there was one possession in particular that really stuck out and was kind of emblematic of the entire night. The Magic did a good job driving in, kicking it out, rotating it around the perimeter to get Alfred Payton a wide-open three. And yes, Alfred Payton isn't the best three-point shooter in the world, but you want him shooting it confidently, so go ahead and shoot the ball. He missed it. Serge Ibaka digs out the rebound, kicks it back out. Best time to get a three-pointer is off an offensive rebound. C.J. Watson shoots for three. He misses it. Alfred Payton comes is back in the paint. He digs out a rebound, kicks it back out to C.J. Watson, and he misses it. Three wide-open three-pointers, no good. And so, this game felt a little bit different than some of those other blowouts. I, I didn't think effort was necessarily the problem, at least on the offensive end. Effort was not necessarily the problem. It was they weren't making shots. And yes, when you're not making shots, that does begin to affect the defense uh, and things begin to cascade from there. Uh, Charlotte was able to continue the scoring rate that they were at. They finished shooting 54.8% from the floor, 10 for 24 from beyond the arc. Orlando just could not get an answer, could not slow them down, could not stay in front of them, and could not get the shots to, to gain some confidence and and regain their footing. Uh, they were on their heels from the from the start of the game because of that. They didn't have the strong first quarter like they had against the Lakers or the Grizzlies, uh, and the Magic were you know caught kind of not, not napping, but they were caught just in this vicious cycle of trying to dig themselves out and digging themselves even further and. It was, it was a kind of a, a cause that the Magic were really struggling to explain after the game. Uh, we just couldn't hit any shots and uh, couldn't get any stops. Uh, they came down, made any shot they wanted, to, got any shot they wanted. And uh, on the other end, we just couldn't make any shots. That is DJ Augustine. And in fact, the Magic could not make any shots. They shoot 48.3% for the game, which doesn't sound good. But Orlando, 9 for 35, shoot, shooting 35 three-pointers is way too much for this Magic team. And in the second half, the Magic shoot... Uh, pulling it up here on my box score real fast. Give me a sec. Uh, in the second half, the Magic shoot 39.6%, 5 for 24. So 24 of those 35 three-point attempts coming in the second half. That's either a sign of the team's getting good ball reversal and just missing shots, which is certainly part, you know, could be part of the problem. Or it could mean that the Magic uh, were, were settling for jumpers and not getting to the basket. Certainly only 10 free throw attempts suggest that it could have been the latter 14 turnovers well turning into 20 Charlotte points. The Hornets were the better team. The Hornets took it to the Magic. They uh, really just frustrated them. They, they they kept them off guard, and the Magic could not dominate the paint. They lost that, and they just they didn't have much uh, uh, on top of that. They just, again, weren't hitting shots, which is something they did against Memphis and something they did against the Lakers, and that spearheaded their defense in a lot of ways, but uh, defense wasn't there as a backstop, and, and when the offense dried up, as it eventually does, uh, the Magic uh, really, really struggled in this game. So again, a final 120 to 101. The final stats here, Serge Ibaka, 20 points, 9 for 15 shooting, 7 rebounds, 3 assists for him. 15 of those 20 coming in the first quarter. Got off to a really nice start, 7 for 8 from the floor. 
Uh, that means he went two for his next seven. But first quarter, he got off to a really good start, really confident with his jumper, popping really well. The, the, the Hornets were struggling with him. But while Steve Clifford said they didn't do anything defense, different defensively, in that second half, and he, he thought they played pretty well in the first half too, which you know I'm I'm not completely on board with, but uh, you know I I'll, I'll give Charlotte this credit. Uh, I thought their defense stepped up. They they played with a lot more intensity. They disrupted the Magic's offensive flow a lot better, and I think that's what really caused the team to spiral spiral a little bit. They weren't getting the high quality shots that they were. At least they weren't getting them as easily, and they really had to work for things. And when those shots aren't falling, and you really have to work for your offense, it's it's a long it's gonna be a long night. Indeed. Uh, Nikola Vucevic comes off the bench, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 10 for 13 shooting. Uh, you know, people were, were banging on him. Um, I thought he came in and actually settled things down defensively in the first quarter, helped the Magic get back into the game, make it a game in that first half. Uh, his positioning is just a lot better. Um, he was one of the few guys that was actually, I think, trying to do the right things defensively for the most part. Charlotte started attacking him on pick-and-rolls in the second half, and that's where he really got in trouble. Uh, he's still not a great pick-and-roll defender. We know this. Everyone knows this. And when the guards are struggling, he's going to struggle. That was essentially the story from last season uh, with Alfred Payton really struggling defensively. Uh, and so Vucevic struggled because the, the guards struggled to keep their man uh, and and struggled to, to guide them to the right places. You know, Kemba Walker's extremely slippery. Um, and, and so the Magic really struggled on that end. Jody Meeks, 11 points. Mario Hazonia, with some extended playing time, played the entire fourth quarter, or most of the fourth quarter, it looks like, 12 minutes of action, 10 points, 4 for 6 shooting, 2 for 4 from beyond the arc, committed 3 fouls, had a block, uh, had had an assist, plus 10 uh, for playing the fourth quarter. So Mario did some nice things. I know everyone's been eager to see him play. Did some nice things. Looked a little rusty at times, uh, still kind of getting game speed down, to be frank, which is, again, uh, going to be a tough reason to play him. But thought he did some nice things defensively. He had a nice block on Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Um, in open court, he tur- he traveled traveled and turned the ball over. But Hazonia, the, the one thing that I think Hazonia does really, really well, and still does really, really well, is his vision and passing are really good. And the Magic have to, I mean, he still has a penchant for turning the ball over, but the Magic have to find a way to use that passing ability if he's going to play. Um, if the shooting comes back, which it did Wednesday night, and maybe with three days of practice, you know, maybe Frank Vogel pulls the trigger in Indiana on Sunday and says, let's let's give the kid some run, see what he can do. Um, he gave him that opportunity on Wednesday, and you know, if there's a good if there's a silver lining to this blowout, I thought Mario Azonia did a really good job in the minutes that he got on on Wednesday, uh, or at least did a good enough job to say. You know, maybe you know maybe they should give the kid another chance, especially with C.J. Watson struggling as he is one for six on the day, one for four from beyond the arc. Um, although Frank Vogel did joke on Monday or uh, 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 shoot around beforehand that C.J. Watson had the best zero for four performance he's ever seen in Monday's game against Memphis, and of course, further complicating that shooting guard rotation, Evan Fournier could be back Sunday. They held him out this game hoping. Then not to re-aggravate the injury with three days of practice coming up, so, so some a gap before the next game. Uh, so they hope that he'll be ready to go for Sunday's game against the Indiana Pacers. Notable for the Hornets on the stat, stat line, Nicholas Batum, 20 points, 8 for 12 shooting, 3 for 4 from me on the arc, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Kemba Walker, 21 points, 8 for 12 shooting, 5 assists for him. Again, Hornets just dominated this game. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. 
It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And unfortunately, that refrain has been rather common for the Orlando Magic this year. They have gotten beat up and blown out. When you look at their net rating, it's a reflection of of their scoring and their defense. And, and, and you know, it's a reflection of the quality of the games they're playing and whether the Magic are winning games. As Frank Vogel has said numerous times, and, and he continues to repeat this, you know, the Magic have a small margin for error. They need, they don't have the superstar they can rely on. Their defense is still a work in progress. They still need players to fit together perfectly and to play a strong game in order to win. Uh, and we, we've seen in this one week exactly the, the differences between those two teams. Like, I, like I've been saying, there's a good team and a bad team in the Magic. Against Memphis, they moved the ball perfectly. They played strong defense. They won the game by 30. They won that game by 30, essentially. It ended up being a 10-point game at the end, but the Magic had that one wrapped up well before then. On Wednesday, the Magic struggled to struggled to play defense. The ball movement was okay, not great. 25 assists on 42 field goals. That's actually above their average 25 assists on the night. So the offense was, you know, except for the third quarter, pretty good for the Magic. Um, they just couldn't hit shots. Uh, but... The Magic got blown out again. There's there's no way to say it. They you know trailed by 30. They trailed by 33 at one point. They got beat pretty bad against the Charlotte Hornets. And it's when you see losses like this, there's a tendency to overreact to them. You hear coaches say this all the time. You're never as good as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. And yes, the blowouts, the big blowouts, are a cause for concern. Why aren't the Magic competing in these games? Why do the Magic have duds? What I think is important to note, though, and I'll talk a little bit about this in a little bit too, but what's more important is not that the Magic have these duds. Every team has a bad night. And this Magic roster is... Everyone knew this Magic roster wasn't going to be strong offensively. Despite how well the Magic have played offensively throughout December, they're still 28th in the league in offensive rating. Their field goal percentage has shot up, but they're still in the bottom half of the league. And not even the bottom half, the bottom 10. There's a lot of bad offense to erase from earlier in the year, but this Magic team, even in December when their offense has been so good, is still virtually an average offense. And knowing that they need each other, and and they don't have that star to carry them, and they don't have a defense to keep the scores low, this offense is susceptible to bad performances. We knew from the very beginning this team lacked shooting. We knew from the very beginning that this team could struggle to create consistent penetration to make defenses work and cover them. We knew from the very beginning that this team was going to be offensively challenged. And when a team is offensively challenged, they could miss shots, and they could get blown out. This is the NBA, after all. 
We saw it even in that first game against Philadelphia when, when the Magic really were struggling offensively. They fell behind by 17 to Philadelphia. These are NBA teams. Anybody can build a 20-point lead on anybody. But what's important here is not that the Magic get beat. It's whether this is something that is going to happen again and again or within quick succession. Yes, again, yes, this team is going to struggle to score, and that means games like Wednesday night, games like the Toronto game, games like the Boston game are always very possible. Now, the Boston game, maybe they had the excuse of the long road trip, and that felt like a schedule loss, and, and I'm, I'm willing to chalk that up as a schedule loss. Toronto, that was just poor effort. The Magic just did, went through the motions, did not play hard at all. Wednesday? Wednesday felt a little bit different. Wednesday felt like one of those losses where the ball just was not cooperating and going through the basket. It felt like one of those losses where... The team was doing the right things, was moving the ball, was getting itself good looks, and they just weren't falling. The defense is a whole other issue, of course. The defense just couldn't figure itself out and couldn't get itself on the same page all night. But this was a blowout and a disappointing and, and maybe embarrassing loss. I mean, I, I think we throw that word around a little too much. But... It didn't feel like something was horribly wrong with this team. We felt that way before this year, right? I mean, Toronto was the effort issue. Uh, you know, Minnesota had was was a crushing defeat for for kind of the same reasons. Utah was was a big was a big loss just because it felt like the team was so lost. It's it felt like this team still kind of knew what it was trying to do, and just couldn't execute it this day. It just wasn't the right it just wasn't their day. So how did the magic move forward and, and and you know what does that mean? Well I would caution this. I would caution this. First, this is one game out of eighty two. And every loss counts the same, whether you lose by one or you lose by thirty. And so it's not smart to look at this defeat and say the Magic need to trade, need to make an, an immediate trade. Other than, I mean, other than things that, that we kind of know are issues with the team. This isn't a game to make conclusions or to, or to say the Magic need to do something immediately to fix this problem. Because maybe there isn't a problem to fix. Maybe the Magic, you know, maybe the Magic, if you look back at the tape, did a lot of the same things offensively that they did against Memphis that worked. Memphis, as as Vogel pointed out, the Memphis game, the Magic made a lot of contested shots. You go look at Aaron Gordon's shots from, from that game. He scored 30. A lot of them were shooting over people. Very difficult shots in, isolate, in somewhat isolation. Off the dribble, at least. Tough shots. The Magic made them. And, and it did feel like Vogel was not as amped about that game as maybe some of the, uh, some of the fan base was. Again, you're never as good as you think you are. You're also never as bad as you think you are. And this may be a case of the Magic aren't as bad as everything appeared. After all, they recovered from a 13-point third quarter to score 33 in the fourth. 
If they lost this game anywhere, it was because their defense was so bad for three quarters. And their defense was just generally bad all game. It wasn't because they weren't able to score, which is a weakness of this team. And if you know you don't live up to your defensive identity like, like the Magic have, have struggled with this year, then what happens when you go through that drought? That's when teams go for the kill. And Charlotte went for the kill because they're a good team. The Magic have a lot of things to figure out. So don't get me wrong. All the problems that we know about this team exist. The Magic still had those big losses to Toronto. Still had that big loss to to Boston. Still had that big loss to Indiana. Although I think some of those early season games, the Magic have transitioned away from those. Like I, I think... This feels like a very different team than those early season teams. So I, I don't want to really include like Indiana or Minnesota or, or Utah or some of those losses from earlier in the year. Having said that, the Magic also need to become a different team as, again and, and build some consistency specifically on the defensive end. The Magic aren't in any immediate trouble. Not unless they fail to do the next step, and that's bounce back. Because the next step is, and this is something the Magic have shown, an ability to bounce back from these defeats. Because, again, this is one game. This is one game of 82. And it wouldn't matter if this is a 1-point loss, a 10-point loss, a 20-point loss, a 30-point loss. Every loss counts the same. What separates good teams from bad teams, what separates teams, though, is limiting losing streaks. So do the Magic go out on Sunday against Indiana? A lot of time to stew on this game, too, mind you. Do they come out against Indiana lackadaisical again? Do they come out sharp? How do the Magic react to this loss? And lately, the Magic have done a very good job responding to defeats. Take Friday, for example. The game against the Knicks. This is actually a really good example. Uh, Frank Vogel said before the game on Friday that the loss of the Knicks on Thursday was disappointing for the lack of effort. But he felt like the Magic still did a lot of the right things. And even in that game, he felt they missed a lot of shots they would normally make. And if you go, I think if you go back and look at the tape, you'll you'll agree that yeah, there are some shots there. That Magic got good shots, and they just missed them. So what are you going to do about that? Defense would be the answer, but but that's neither here nor there. He felt the Magic still played the right way, so he was still fairly confident heading into the Los Angeles game that they were going to right the ship. And what did the Magic do that game? They came out like gangbusters. It wasn't just the block shots. The Magic made shots, and as as Vogel said, even then. You know, playing with a lead relaxes you a little bit. Makes that shot a little bit easier. Makes execution a little bit easier because you have you have some cushion to play with. And the Magic led big from the start of that game and they executed and played pretty flawlessly for most of that game. Orlando responded emphatically to Thursday's loss to the Knicks last week. And it's something they've done throughout this season. Take the loss to Mem- at Memphis on the road trip. That was a terrible loss. It was a loss that had us thinking, oh boy, 
Here we go again. The Magic blow a late lead on the road. This team really hasn't learned anything. I wrote that column. But they come back the next night against Philadelphia and blow the doors off the Sixers. The first blowout win of the season. And they look as good as they've looked all season in that game. And the momentum keeps building. What the Magic have to make sure they do regarding Wednesday's game is make sure that it's just one game. That it doesn't become two. That it doesn't become three. That they don't lose another blowout loss in the next week or two. That they remain competitive. Especially with that West Coast trip coming up. That that West Coast trip is on its way. The Magic, in all, finished December 500. 8-8 in December. So, in some sense, yeah, they're making some progress. They... They're hanging around. They're a game and a half, two games out of the final playoff spot as they finish their December. There's obviously more games to come for the rest of the league. Orlando's just done for the month. But the Magic showed, have shown, a penchant for responding fairly quickly to big losses like this. Now, of course, they want to eliminate big losses like this so they don't have to respond. But they have responded in the past. And why not think they can respond again? This team has shown plenty of resiliency over the over the season. Consistency has been the issue. You just don't know whether that gritty team is going to show up. If it does, you know, as we kind of suspect it will, then the Magic are fine. The Magic right the ship. They keep moving forward. If it doesn't, then this blowout loss has meaning beyond just a loss. Then it becomes time to ring the alarm bells. Then it becomes time to say, hold on, something is definitely not right here. At this point, after one defeat, maybe your ears are perked up a little bit. Maybe you're looking for signs. But let them let them make their response first before saying, this is, this is done. Because teams get blown out in the NBA. Even the Golden State Warriors lose by 20. It happens. And increasingly it felt like Wednesday was won, not because of effort, not because of a lack of execution. It's just one of those nights. And the Magic have to solve their defensive problems, and I suspect they will attempt to do that in the next three days. Because their offense is rolling. And even in this blowout loss, their offense was rolling. And so we'll see how the Magic respond on Sunday. I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast again today. I do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the episode yesterday talking a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets and their rebuilding model. I hope it was just an interesting uh, case in, in comparative rebuilding. Um, that, that should be a class at the same Hinky University. But uh, I hope it was just interesting to hear that perspective both on the Magic and on, on the Hornets and, and how they rebuilt. It's certainly something that's interesting. We'll, of course, see the Hornets two more times later on this year, so maybe we'll invite uh, Doug back on the show to talk a little bit more about the Charlotte Hornets and how the season is going, because I'm sure a lot will happen before that matchup. Be sure to follow Locked On Hornets and and download their podcast as well. They do a fantastic job covering the Hornets. You can, of course, download Locked On Magic on Boom, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher, all the fun places that you download podcasts. You can get it. You can find Locked On Magic there as well. 
That's going to do it for me for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman Reich. Final score again, 120 to 101. The Charlotte Hornets defeat the Orlando Magic. And we will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.